Turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. The uh, song we sung just a moment ago is, Take the Name of Jesus with You. That is a good song, and wherever we go, we should realize who we are and who we represent. But have you ever taken a picture and you say, take another one just in case, take, take another one just in case, and you wind up taking four or five, six pictures of the same thing just in case. Just in case what? Something, the one don't take. Something happened. Somebody blinked. And have you ever noticed if you take just one or two, there's always somebody who got their, the, their mouth or the, you know, the eyes are closed. Or the, and it ruins the whole thing. And you just like to slap their jaws. Uh, some people just can't stand there and take a picture. They have to always, you know, they got to do something. Something stupid. I'm glad you're not like that. But there's always somebody seems like it wants to ruin the picture. Well, here you and I are, and we, believe it or not, uh, we're, we're drawing a picture. We're, we're designing a picture. You see, God got a frame, and uh, the picture is based upon our yieldingness to the Lord. And there's always somebody that's trying to mar the picture, ruin the picture. And you'd be surprised what God is, is making out of you because of what He wants people to see. There's lessons for us to learn. Uh, like a person says, Lord, give me patience. And the Lord says, I will not. Lord says, I'll give you tribulation. Because tribulation does what? Work with patience. Patience is something that is a result or earned. And a lot of people want things for free. It won't happen that way. But anyway, here in the book of uh, Matthew, I wanted to, to show you a scripture. And look there in verse 29. Verse 29, where he makes the statement, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take is like a, a command. This is something you are commanded to do. Do this. Do it. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a decision that you and I have to make. And all of life is making choices, deciding what we will and what we will not do. You chose whether to get up or to stay in bed. You chose whether to go to work or stay home. You chose what to eat or not to eat. You're always making choices. When it comes to spiritual things, you also have to make these decisions. Now, I want you to see there in uh, Matthew in chapter 9, look what he says in verse 25. He says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hath revealed them unto babes. There are things that God will reveal to babe that he will not reveal to the so-called prudent and the wise. You know, the ones that think they know everything, and then God takes some little dedicated nobody and will reveal things to them. And so that's why he says, learn of me, because he wants to reveal things to you. So if you will listen to what God says, he will teach you some things. You will learn from Him. But God knows your heart. 
Look what he says there in verse 26. Even so, Father, for it so it seemeth good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, say the Son, and he whom to whomsoever the Son will, and you ought to underline that phrase, phrase will reveal him. You see, one of the greatest desires we have is to know God. Well, God says, you can't know the Father except through the Son. And it's the Son that will reveal the Father. And He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of Him, and taking up a yoke gives us the idea we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about following the Lord, learning the things that God has for us. So take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. And you'll notice in Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. There's a portion of Scripture talked about here that I believe is very important for us to look at because I believe that what we just read there in the book of Matthew, uh, some of that, I believe, comes from right here. In verse 7, he says, But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink or out of the way. Now, you can drink if you want to, and there's always people talking about, I don't see anything wrong with drinking, and there's nothing wrong with taking a social drink. And the more they drink, the more sociable they get. I determined years ago, I will never be a drunk if I never take a first drink. I'm not interested in seeing how much I can hold, how much I can handle. I don't want anybody going down the wrong path because they saw me taking liberty. Well, I can do it if I want. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can, but is it wise? Is it wise? But anyway, he says here in verse 7, the priest and the prophets have erred through strong drink. They have swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. So that's what it really does. I was raised around that. And I was scared to death to ever take the first drink. And even up to the time I was 18 when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I had never touched it. I was always afraid I might like it. What if I like it, and then I can't stop? So I figured I'll never run that risk. Now, other people can do whatever they want to do. I just believe that was the best thing for me. So he makes a statement here in verse 8, And all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. You see, this is also the same thing that happens when you get drunk on the world, when you're filled with the wisdom of the world, you don't see, you can't avoid the pitfalls, you stumble, and like a drunk man that stumbles, can't see good, and vomits all over the place, that is what the wisdom of the world looks like in God's eyes. Now, if you know Christ as your Savior, you could be drunk on the wisdom of the world. What does God want His children to do? 
Study the Word. It's the Word of God that helps a man to stand, to walk straight, to do right, to make better decisions. And you don't have to worry about the hangovers, and you don't have to worry about what you said or didn't say, or what you did and didn't do, about can you remember or can't remember. I've watched them take a telephone pole, stagger up to a telephone pole and say, I love you. I love a telephone pole. And I used to have this one that would call me up sometimes. I love you, hon. It's always like, I love you, hon. Drunk as can be. I don't even know if they knew who I was. But that's the way God sees people who don't take Him seriously. His ways, His word. Look what He says. Whom shall He teach knowledge? And whom shall He make to understand what? Doctrine. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Like a child that learns how to be fed. You don't feed them everything all at one time. You got to give them a little bit. And then you let them grow. Give them a little bit more and let them grow. A little bit more and teach them how to walk. But God says, my people, my priests, my prophets. And whether or not they were really drunk, probably. But he says, that's the way you are when you're filled with the wisdom of the world. You're not smart and you're not making the wise decisions. You're just like a drunk man that can't see. Now, would you want to be like that? Do you want God in heaven looking down at you and think, you're just like a drunk. No different. Oh, you know Christ is your Savior. You're going to heaven. But you can't think. You can't reason. Look what else he says. In verse 11, And with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now we read that verse over in the book of Corinthians. To whom he said, in verse 12, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Remember over there in Hebrews chapter 11 just a moment ago, it was talking about how that the wise, the prudent, can't see, don't understand. But God is going to reveal these things unto babes. Then he says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. You see, there is rest for the children of God that learn the Word of God and learn to trust the Lord. You might think, I never had such problems in my life until I made up my mind to serve the Lord. Then it seemed like everything goes wrong. Well, that's only because you decided to get into the battle. Nobody needs to shoot at you and fight with you, and the devil can leave you alone because you're not in the battle. It's when you decide, I want to do something, and I want God to use me. Then, buddy, does it break loose. But God says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. And you rest in the Lord. You trust His Word. So he makes a statement here in verse 12. Two words I love. This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. 
yet, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was upon them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And if you don't do it the way God says to do it, you cannot stand. You're going to be stumbling. You're going to fall. And he said, talking about falling backwards and so forth and vomiting. You don't want that for your life. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 9. The book of Luke and chapter 9. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 9, one of the things that you, well, it will help you, especially, look up here just a second. You have Matthew and Mark, Luke and John. And so as people read the Gospels, they always, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And so they're trying to understand this book, and then they try to understand this book, and then, then this book, and then this book. Instead of looking at the books, like one, two, three, four. Stack the books on top of each other. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Because there's a lot of times when you read the book of Matthew, it seems like God's saying you've got to keep the law to be saved. And then all of a sudden, you get to the book of John, which looks like God's heaven track. And he's saying John 3.16. John 3.16 is Old Testament. John 3.16, if you start over here, and you know you always line up where they were crucified. He was crucified, 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 crucified. Came back from the dead. Or you know this all happened at the same time. And then look, it goes back. So when he was telling them this in Matthew, he was also telling them this in John when he says... He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So this wasn't said at a different time. It was said at the same time. It's just that the Holy Spirit takes out of the messages that he preached. Things that applied to Jesus as the king. And then in the book of Mark as the servant. And then in the book of Luke as the man. And then in the gospel of John as the son of God. And these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and by believing in Him, you may have life through His name. But John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, preached, repent. But he also told him to believe on Christ. And then when he says in the Gospel of John, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The thing came to bear witness of the light, that all men... Through him might believe. See, it's the same. It lines up this way. Don't line it up this way. You'll go nuts. But you line it up this way, and you see that, oh, a lot of things line up. And so you want to know when this happened? Okay, this is, it lines up. And you'll understand it just a little bit better. But here in the book of Luke, I want you to look there in verse 24. Luke chapter 9, verse 24, where it says, And whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. 
But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now, in these few little verses, there's some wonderful things that are mentioned here. Where he makes the statement, take, take. Look there in verse 23. And he said unto them all, if any man, but he said it to all, but any man. See, it's a choice. God does not make anybody trust him. He just says, whosoever believeth, anybody, he that believeth hath everlasting life. But he gave his son for the world, but he that believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. All but it's an individual choice. When he says here, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Because there's things you want to do with your life. There's things you want to be. There's places you want to go. There's things you want to accomplish. you got dreams. God says, give all that up and do what I want. You will never find such freedom and joy and happiness as you will surrendering your will to His. Time will pass, and there will be an inner peace, and an inner joy, a rest, that you're doing what God wants, because now, see, you put the, the ball back in His court. He's responsible to do what He promised you He would. When you rebel against the Lord and go your own way, God is now free to whoop the daylights out of you. Take you home before your time. But if you serve the Lord, God has certain things He has to do. I understood this years ago, and I knew God has to bless me. You don't have a choice. He has to bless me. He promised. I've got His word on it. Now, all the blessings that comes to me sometimes are disguised. They're disguised through trials and tribulations and heartache. You name it. Sometimes it even comes disguised as work. Sickness, loss. But you'll find out when you get to heaven, those were blessings of God. Down here, we look at it totally wrong. And then we sit in judgment on God. But if you'll understand this, great teaching right here, look at it. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him. That is a personal choice, a decision that you have to make. Nobody can make it for you. But when you make up your mind, I want the will of God for my life, then you might as well know that the Lord is going to interrupt your schedule. Easy each day if your main goal is right and you want to do what God says that you should do. I want you to take your Bible and look there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. Ephesians in chapter 6. And this is a scripture that we've looked at many, many times. But there's a, a verse here that says something that I want you to look at. One more time. And you notice here in Ephesians in chapter 6. Look there in verse 12. 
put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, and here's that word again, take. Down in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. Verse 17, and take. See, that's something you can do, and that's something you must do. God will do for you and for me what we cannot do. But God does expect us to do what we can do. When Peter was in the jail and the church meeting was praying, did you know the angel of the Lord opened the gate and made his chains to fall off? But God told him, says, put on your sandals. He could do that. He could walk out of there. That's something he can do. So you see, you work like it all depends on you. You pray like it all depends on God. So between praying and working, depending on the Lord and doing what God says to do, you'd be surprised what God is going to do in your life. That is so important. Look in Mark chapter 14. All the way back here to the book of Mark chapter 14. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 14. This uh, coming Sunday, you will have communion service. Remember, there is a communion service that Jesus had right before he was taken and crucified. And so, in Mark chapter uh, 14, verse 22, it makes this statement, And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and says, Take. Take. This is something that they can do. This is talking about your communion with the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that God wants us to fellowship with Him? Did you know He wants you to fellowship with Him more than your desire to fellowship with Him? God wants you to know Him greater than the desire you have to want to know Him. Have you ever been so concerned about somebody else? There isn't anybody that you've ever been concerned about greater than what God is concerned about. There isn't anyone you have ever loved more than what God loves them. You can't want the best for your children or your grandkids greater than what God wants. It's difficult to understand all this, I know. But look what he says there in verse 22. Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they, you ought to underline the word all. They all drank it. They all did. But there was a problem here. They all drank it. You would think, do they really understand what they were doing when he says, take, this is my body. This is my blood. I don't think they had a clue in understanding. Because the Bible says they didn't understand half what was going on. But they say they did. 
They even wanted to rule, one on the right, one on the left. He says, are you, are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? Sure. He said, right, you will. But they didn't understand what they were saying. But here in verse 24, And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine, until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This was going to be his last one. Until the kingdom is set up. That's what he said. And so in verse 26, And when they had sung a hymn, I would like to believe Jesus also sung. It says, And when they sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So I guess all of them went out. They all sang. They sung a hymn. And in verse 24, And Jesus said unto them, You ought to underline these two. All ye, all ye shall be offended. In other words, how would you like to go to Bible college for three years and the president of the college says, everybody's going to fail your exam? Hey, we've studied. We've been with you. We've been taking notes. We've memorized all the verses. Man, we can't, we can't wait to take our final exam. He says, you're all going to be offended. You're all going to fail your final exam. But did he give up on them? No. You know why Jesus didn't give up on them? He didn't have anybody to replace them. There is no other way. God uses imperfect people. God uses us to accomplish His will. See, you got hope. God can use you. But look what He says here in verse 27. And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended. Because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Boy, isn't it wonderful to have at least one who really meant what he said. All the rest of them might, but not me, not me. Have you ever thought pretty highly of yourself? Make promises and pledges, and then you have to eat your words? Don't they taste terrible? You ever ate crow? But they were offended. They were offended. 